0: Some names in this story have been changed, including all patient names. I'm sitting in the closet marked blood and medicine storage. But there's no blood or medicine in here, just me, three desks, two desktop computers, and so many binders. The binders stack up across the wall, each spine marked with the month in big block letters. I grab one, December 2014. Inside are plastic sleeves, overflowing with thick patient files. At the top, it reads Nazi Moja Hospital, Zanzibar, the largest public hospital in Zanzibar, an island off the coast of Tanzania. The island is technically a part of the country, but most people here seem to consider it pretty much independent. In the streets, there are posters of both the Tanzanian president and the Zanzibari president side by side. Dr. Tarek, one of the doctors in the maternity ward at Nazimoja, told me.
1: "Zanzibar is both. It's heaven and hell. It's this island, this tropical holiday island where people come for a lot of money because it's beautiful and people are really nice. At the same time, you have this abysmal injustice of uh, totally preventable deaths.
0: Back in the blood and medicine storage closet, I look closer at the binder I'm reading. Every file documents a different maternal death. Right now there's no digital system for the patient files. There are just huge boxes of paper and binders of reports. It's my job to type them up. All the reports have a summary page with information about the patient and why they died. Name, Fatma Abraham. Age, 32. Number of children, four. Cause of death, asphyxiation. Then, under Contributing causes of death, there were nine things listed, mostly stuff having to do with how her treatment was handled, like what the staff did. This one was Always mark blood transfusions as urgent. Aren't all blood transfusions urgent? Attached to the file is the blood transfusion request sheet, which was clearly sent in, but the order was never filled. It sat waiting in limbo while Fatma sat waiting for a standard procedure that could have saved her life. At the end of every report, there was a box marked Time at which death was preventable. Every report had a time filled in. I start wandering around trying to find the blood transfusion center to understand how things like this get delayed. Out in the ward, there are four rooms full of patients. Three women are in each bed, each twin bed, and there are mattresses on the floor as well, each with multiple women and their newborn babies. This is the newest ward in Nazimuja Hospital. It was redone recently with the help of some Dutch and Norwegian donors, so the building is cleaner than the rest with wider walls and bigger spaces. I keep walking around. On the bottom floor, there are stacks of unused mattresses and fun animal murals for the kids. All the signs are in English, with translations in Swahili written below on duct tape. It has been quite very challenging with the new ward because
2: very few staff. The more rooms you have, the more staff you need to take
0: care of those patients in that room. Natasha is one of the doctors in the ward. Like she said, these new facilities haven't really made things much easier. It's actually harder to have four rooms of patients instead of one, due to how understaffed they are. But here, what we do is we try to survive, I think. you try to, to,
2: to, to make sure that a disaster does not happen. Because when, no, it is, it, it, when something bad happens, you know that it can turn into
0: a, a nightmare, that a woman can lose her life. Outside, I see patients pushed on gurneys over cobblestone on the way to the ICU. When they don't have gurneys available, I've been told patients who are pregnant and fully dilated sometimes have to walk between the buildings. It's been an hour since I began my quest to find where the blood is kept, and finally, I admit failure. Maybe it's not in the hospital, maybe it's not open, I can't really find a clear answer. But instead, I do find out where I can go to donate blood, so I take the afternoon and go there. 30 minutes on the Dala Dala, the public bus and 15 minutes of asking people, Damu? Damu? Blood? Blood? Until I finally arrive, more thanks to a stranger's kindness than to my very, very basic knowledge of Swahili. The sign reads in Swahili, Kituwa cha huduma za damu salama. Then in English, blood transfusion center, donate blood, save life. The process is fast, easy, and very organized. They wrap my forearm and gauze and give me animal cookies at the end. Now they have my blood but I'm still not really sure where it goes. I get back on the Dala Dala and return to Stonetown, the historic center and most urban part of Zanzibar. Sit down at the Stonetown Cafe, where most of the expats and tourists tend to gather. I'm trying to get some food, restock on sugar now that the animal cookies have worn off. An hour and a half passes since I've ordered. A friend of mine laughs, pole pole. I ask her what that means. She says it's Swahili for slow, slow. You'll hear it a lot here. Everything has a bit of pole-pole to it. The next day, I'm back in my closet, transcribing another report. Name, Leon Moore. Age, 21. Number of children, 3. My stomach sank. She'd been hooked up to the machine administering medicine for a few hours, but no one realized the machine wasn't turned on. She died at 2.42 p.m. on a Wednesday. On the file, died is written in these huge cursive letters, two inches long. I imagine the doctor shading them in, slow and methodical, paused in the sudden quiet. The I in died was dotted with a spiral. Under, Contributing causes of death, someone had typed, Lack of staff. Lack of motivation. I talk to some patients to try to see how they feel about the staff. I get some translation help from two girls my age who go to the State University of Zanzibar. Together, we step carefully between women on mattresses scattered on the floor. Most women we talk to mention improvements they want in the hospital.
2: She suggests that there is a lack of beds, so the numbers of bed must be increased.
0: A few are just thankful for their healthy babies. I was
2: very happy because God planned me to have these two kids. But one says... Don't ignore people in the hospital. They have to help them. Don't take like they're not in pain. They have to see these people are sick. Let's help them.
0: She's absolutely right. Doctors should not ignore people. And yet... I have only one staff
2: who's taking care of 80 mothers post-delivery. So can I go and blame her? Because in reality, one nurses and not less than eight up to 100 mothers post-delivery, she, she can't provide quality yeah. care. Probably she can't. So she, will do, she, 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 she does what she's able to do.
0: She's absolutely right. That's the head nurse, Nasra. The lack of nurses is one of the biggest problems with understaffing in the hospital. We talked briefly, but the closet door opens. It's time for the twice-daily staff meeting. Doctors, nurses, surgeons, interns, there's rarely enough suits for everyone, but somehow we usually manage to all squeeze in. The interns present first, updating everyone on what has happened since they last checked in. C-sections, near misses, successful births. The hospital has 30 to 50 births a day, so there are always updates. The interns joke, a lot. Eyes gleaming as they laugh and throw zingers interspersed among their reports. Dr. Tark sits in the front row. He came to Zanzibar about four years ago. He's the first and typically only person to call the interns out. He ends up running the meeting, ends up yelling almost every time, shouting and impassioned. People really listen. Most take notes. Afterwards, I follow Tarek out, trying to insert myself into his very busy schedule. For the first time in Zanzibar, I saw a planner get pulled out. He wrote down our meeting time. Successfully scheduled, I'm penciled in for an hour in two weeks. I run into Nasser again. Every day she wears the same maroon scrubs and white face mask, her hair pulled back tight, her face animated as she talks.
2: You are in the meetings, morning meeting. Dr. Tarek shouted myself, I say, yes, yes, yes. But sometimes I say, what can I do? In reality, if you sit here and you work a day with only three midwives, you will see. Sometimes four mothers delivered at the same time, one, two, three, four, So you can see the one midwife starting to deliver this one. And another one, the head is there, take off the gloves, deliver another one. It does happen, even myself, it does happen.
0: It takes a big toll on the nurses.
2: So you can see how shocked these people they are, how tired, and how confused.
0: Sometimes they're confused. Nasra is unbelievably good at her job. While I was there, she had to leave for a week, and they had two nurses fill in for her, knowing that no one else could handle her job alone. Everyone knows Nasser, and Nasser knows everyone. She tells me to go talk to Aisha. She's a doctor who's about to take a break from the hospital. She's going on maternity leave. I ask her if she's going to have her baby at Nazimoja.
2: You know, for me, it's really easy to say yes. This is the problem here. If you are known, you are a staff, or you are a relative of a staff, then you will be taken care of very good. This is the problem, and it shouldn't be like that. It should be like that to every patient.
0: Two weeks later, it's my meeting with Dr. Tarek. He's punctual. We meet and he finds an open room for us, turns on the ceiling fan for the heat, and we begin right on time. He's still mad about something he learned at staff meeting that day.
1: I discovered this woman who is now just having her, her operation because she was neglected for three days. And maybe now, I will find out later, maybe she lost her interest. No, that makes me completely furious.
0: These are the daily discoveries for doctors here. And it's a constant battle to not accept these tragedies as the norm.
1: You have to still feel bad about it. The moment you feel like, ah, that's how it is, or these stupid things like, this is Africa, this is the worst thing anyone can say, then then you are part of the problem.
0: But still, you're confronted with these deep frustrations every day.
1: The difficulty or the challenge or the problem, whatever you want to call it, is to, at the same time, live in a situation that is unacceptable and not to accept it, but live in it. And and that is not easy. And uh, some people are better at that than others. And even those who are, let's say, not so bad at it, have good days and bad days, and I certainly have bad days. <laughs> I also have good days, like this woman in ICU now. That's a good day.
0: The mother in the ICU was a highlight of that day's meeting. She was struggling, but after they brought her baby to her, her health seemed to improve almost immediately.
1: It's incredible. It's really incredible. Yesterday we thought she's going to die. She might not die.
0: Dr. Tark talks fast, occasionally checking his flip phone to make sure he hasn't missed anything. He's in charge, but soon won't be. He's leaving at the end of the year. Things don't move fast enough. But he's the first person I've talked to who has ideas why.
1: The pace of change is scandalously slow. One of the reasons why it's so bad is because this injustice of poverty does something to people. And if you grow up being totally powerless, it's very, very hard for you to think, to imagine, that you could change reality.
0: You must believe that you can hold power to believe you can change anything. And that sense of powerlessness is not something that can be fixed quickly or easily.
1: We cannot give, I cannot give power to nobody. But you can create space where somebody might find her voice. And the moment you say something, there is power in this. Always. Even if you ask me, can you please pass me the water?
0: You're making them do something. In almost every case, they of course will say yes, and yet there's still that hurdle of voicing what you need and asking for it.
1: If you feel totally powerless, you will not ask the doctor to pass you the water. Are you crazy? Who am I? You know, that kind of thing. Thinking, people don't even ask many times, why did my baby die? Why did my wife die? Things like that. If we would provide healthcare in such a way that it would enable our patients and their families to find a voice and to air the voice, that would, I think, lead to to substantial uh, change.
0: Every day in this hospital is a fight to keep people alive. And yet, at the same time, there's this other huge factor. There's this huge battle of empowerment and fairness and empathy.
1: I believe very much that it's, in the end, medicine, what we do here, is really not about biology. It's about justice. This is all about justice.
0: Tarek and I talk for over an hour. By the end, I feel this weird combination of heaviness and energy. I want to do something, somehow, but I don't really know what I can do. I go back to do more work in the closet, but the door is locked. Johan has already left. Johan has the only key to the closet, so when she leaves, the staff room closes. She usually leaves around 3 p.m. Someone tells me just to come back tomorrow. Pole pole. I walk into Stonetown. Another day, another file, the same closet. Name, Rahima Louise. Age, 46. Number of children, 7. Immediate cause of death, organ failure. Underlying cause of death, preeclampsia. Preeclampsia is a really common problem in Nazimoja, a complication that comes up far too often. It's something that's addressed at the patient-by-patient level, but like most things, it's much harder to address at the higher level, to address the system that might contribute to it. Ask Dr. Tark about it.
1: It's terrible. It's really terrible. I mean, Paul Farmer, I'm sure you know about Paul Farmer.
0: I actually didn't know about Paul Farmer, but I Googled him later and yeah, he's like a super famous doctor and humanitarian.
1: He says, you need three things, staff, stuff, and systems, and then it will work. We don't have enough staff, we don't have enough stuff, and the system isn't working. And that is a big problem.
0: But who's in charge of the system? I turn back to the head nurse, Nasra. So you don't, we don't have the power
2: authorized. Who has the power? In paper, they said me. But in reality, them.
0: <laughs> by them, she means the Ministry of Health. See, this is loosely how the system works. The funding for the hospital is controlled by the Ministry of Health, and the funding for the Ministry of Health is controlled by the central government, the government of Tanzania. It's a little hard for me to understand. I get the numbers of some officials from the Ministry of Health and start messaging them on WhatsApp. To my surprise, they respond.
2: Um, my name is Omar Molim. I'm working with the Ministry of Health, Zanzibar.
0: We meet in his office, a building about a five-minute walk from the hospital. He's nice and passionate and talks a lot about the intense work he's doing, the new educational pamphlets on health, the passing of a ban on smoking.
2: I want to leave kind of legacy when I I leave here because I I know that I won't be here maybe for for, for good.
0: But then he starts telling me things I know aren't true, that there's a digital patient file system at Nazimoja.
2: And uh, this is a very good system because uh, it provides uh, information So far, it has stopped because they have moved to another building and uh, there are issues with the internet.
0: At the hospital, nobody has heard of anything like this ever being built. The closest I've heard is that these guys from Cuba came once and started hooking up some wires for a digital system. But it was never explained to the hospital staff what exactly what it was for or how to use it, and they left before ever finishing it. It's these weird, fall-through-the-cracks kind of problems. At every step of the system, people all have the same goal, and yet it doesn't come together. Things are missed. One doctor told me that almost every year the Ministry of Health reports a different number of maternal deaths than the hospital does. But it's always just a little bit off. Like they're not trying to cover anything up or mislead the public, but like they just didn't check that carefully. The doctor felt like they just didn't care enough to get it exactly right.
1: This place, Sanzibar, could have European uh, health statistics, but we don't. And that is a big
0: surprise. Dr. Tark believes Zanzibar has the potential to be so much better. But the process of getting there is much too hard.
1: And of course there are are purists who would say you shouldn't do that. Let the system collapse and then maybe a new system can come. In theory that sounds good but not over dead bodies.
0: Tark himself is leaving at the end of the year. He spent his whole career in low-resource hospital settings but feels like the pace of change is too slow here for his liking.
1: And I want to work somewhere on the same issues this injustice, where I can uh, put the same effort in with more results.
0: On my last day, I say goodbye to everyone I know, and I feel this sense of heaviness. It sucks. I know more about what the problems are, but really have only learned that any solutions will be just as complicated. There's a playground outside the hospital that doubles as a waiting area. When I walk through it for the last time, this heaviness, I feel, is lightened for a moment by the sounds of kids making use of the playground. Stuck in the familiar limbo of waiting for visiting hours on the seesaws, they go up and down, back and forth, over and over, pole pole.